1: A run—it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this,
2: Adidas.
3: What is up, Grinders? We got uh, week four of lines and lineups. Holding Kushner here. We got Dan Bach from Roto Grinders, Sharp Side, whatever you want to uh, call it. Wonderful content there and kevin rogers from vegasinsider.com by the way who is just on fire this year um did your guaranteed pick work again
1: my guaranteed pick was the carolina panthers beating arizona we know the cardinals are terrible defensively but uh i'm gonna be the first one to say to not see four touchdowns coming from kyle allen but I thought Carolina going on the road and no Cam Newton would be very beneficial for them. So that one worked out. I had the Bears last night, too, as my guarantee against the Redskins. So that was, uh, I'm not breaking ground with that one. because no, Even I could
3: have picked that one.
1: Yeah, so I'm not going to say, oh, that was such a brilliant pick. Uh, <laughs> but I will say before we get started that the Miami Dolphins are definitely going to be in a dogfight for that number one pick this year.
3: They shouldn't be, but I guess they are. Dan, There's how a lot are
2: of you? Bad doing? teams, Holden. How
1: bad you team.
3: doing, buddy? What's going on with you? How was the weekend at DFS?
2: I was good. I mean, uh, if you watched the show last week, I told you Kyle Allen, I told you Mike Evans, I told you Evan Ingram. I mean, you played those three guys in your your cash lineups. You were a lock to uh, to end up hitting the cash line. So uh, it was it was a great week for DFS, and decided uh, so to get rolling here, week four already. You know, turn just- it's here.
3: I just went a different way than you did to get my get my things done. I went Waller and Ke- Keenan Allen, so that worked out too. That was all right,
2: but we didn't talk about those games, so I can't. I know, I can't and say I, t- I, told, I I led you I'm the wrong. Sure
3: way. You were wrong about something.
2: Oh, I definitely was wrong about a lot, but that's 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 for a different story.
3: Yeah. All right, here we go, guys. We got New England Buffalo five games. Uh, New England Buffalo, the Rams, and the Buccaneers. We'll talk about Dallas, New Orleans. Uh, Kansas City, Detroit and Philadelphia, Green Bay. Now, let's just get right into this here with the New England and Buffalo. This Buffalo team, they can play some defense, man. Josh Allen has not been as careless with the football so far this season. I've seen where the line opened up at 6 and now it's sitting at 7 with New England uh, laying 7 on the road. And also the game totals, it started at 44. I'm seeing about 42, 42 and a half. k I mean this This Patriots team, man, they are just unstoppable to start the season. Ho-hum, Antonio Brown comes and goes, so let's find Edelman. Then Edelman gets hurt. Let's go find Josh Gordon. Um, If they can get Sonny Michelle going, they're going to be just fine. But the Patriots, it's tough to go against them, even on the road at that line. What's some of your analysis there?
1: Well, Holden, this is a series that's been owned by the Patriots, 28-3 and the last 31 meetings between these two teams, and two of those Tom Brady wasn't even playing. One of them was Jacoby Brissett during the four-game suspension a few years ago, and I believe one of the other ones from Buffalo, Brady played the first series in Week 17. It didn't even matter, and Buffalo ended up winning in Foxborough. New England's won the last seven in Buffalo. So what's interesting is New England has had a more – I think more success almost in Buffalo than in New England in this series. And Buffalo's been very good so far. We can't take away the 3-0 mark, but we also have to look at their opponents, the Giants, the Jets, and the Bengals, the Giants with Eli, the Jets with Sam Darnold, but still you know, we know the Jets aren't very good. And Cincinnati, who now has covered twice so far on the road this season, but uh, now you're facing the Patriots, and I just think that it's tough to – take the points here buffalo last year guys three times they were a home underdog of seven or more lost all three by double digits to the chargers the bears and the patriots on that monday night game in which there was the pick six the bills actually hung in that game for a bit the patriots uh, open it up at the end but i think it's just tough to make an argument here for buffalo new england's just you know they're they're the better team but i think new england here uh, takes care of business
3: dan from a dfs perspective then On the Patriots' side, Brady's just seemed very consistent. Looks like he's going to cost a little too much for cash, I suppose. Um, Edelman, if he's fine, if he comes back, he had to leave a little early. I think it was a chest injury. And, again, Josh Gordon. The running game has not gotten going. James White was gone. His wife had a kid. So, congratulations to him. Rex Burkhead came in, put up some big numbers. I wonder if Burkhead is going to be viable again with James White coming back. And then on the Bills' side, I mean – if Devin Singletary is healthy and that's a big if, is he an option? Is Josh Allen always an option because he can run?
2: Yeah, this isn't the sexiest spot for DFS. I mean, you, you mentioned on um, Brady. I think he's he's too high. Third highest price quarterback there on um DraftKings, fifth on FanDuel. And he just doesn't have a high enough floor with legitimately zero rushing ability in in this matchup here. And it's a tough matchup too. Buffalo's defense is legit so I think this is a definite stay away on the quarterback side of things the running back angle is a little bit interesting you know Sonny Michelle, such a tease dude first drive goes down scores a touchdown and then goes on for nine carries 11 yards the rest of the game and you know he's actually gets a little bit of a bump with James Devlin being out because he's the guy who would uh, steal those goal line touches but I just don't Think we can go there, unfortunately. Last year, he had one good game against this defense and one that was uh, ho hum. I think we just got a pass uh, on this running game for the most part. The one guy I'm a little bit interested in, I love the narratives, I love the baby narratives. And uh, James White in one matchup versus this team last year had 10 receptions for 79 yards. So on a, on a site like DraftKings, where it's a, a full point per reception at 4,900. He could be somewhat playable. I could see them call his number a little bit, but with Burkhead still back there, uh, pretty crowded backfield. And then the wide receivers. Uh, Josh Gordon should have had a touchdown last week, didn't convert, but this secondary for the Bills is legit. Tredavious White didn't quite uh, go the uh, shadow coverage on him last time they played, Uh, but I think the one kind of sneaky spot to look at is the other wide receiver spot. One, Edelman. Is he going to play? early in the week for us to say if he does play he had 10 targets in like a half last week so you know Brady's gonna look his way if he doesn't then you got a guy named Jacoby Myers who played 80% of the snaps last week and was a superstar in the preseason he's min salary on FanDuel 3,500 on DraftKings and then last name I need to talk about is gonna be Dorset Philip Dorset has absolutely crushed it Um, when given opportunity, and with no Antonio Brown there, maybe no Edelman, uh, he's one guy you can look at. uh, It's got a pretty uh, decent price tag, uh, especially over on DraftKings. 1200 cheaper than Gordon on DraftKings. So uh, those are the guys I'm looking at. Nothing really on the
3: Buffalo side. Even if they're behind, a guy like Cole Beasley, who could get a lot of targets, maybe on a PPR site, no?
2: Uh, I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, Gore is the one guy who – he actually made it last year or last week with based on his salary, but he's got zero upside. So I actually think it's going to be a grinded out game. I mean, the total on this one's 42 and a half and we've seen how good new England's offense has been. I think it's a low scoring grinded out game. And unlike Kevin, I actually think Buffalo might be able to cover that number here. They got a lot of momentum here three you know, we talk about the bad teams they've played, but new England's played the jets without Darnold, the dolphins and uh, a Pittsburgh team, which is clearly not not very good this year. So uh, i still – even though I think their defense is good, they haven't played great competition either.
3: Hey, Kevin, what do you think about the total here? 44 to open, 42 and a half, uh, 42 depending on where you go.
1: I agree with Dan that it, it's just very hard to make an argument for a very high-scoring game considering – I mean – I understand New England hasn't played anybody good, but the defense has not given up an offensive touchdown yet. The Jets scored a special teams touchdown and a defensive touchdown in the game on Sunday. So we got to note that. And also with Buffalo, they gave up a defensive touchdown to the Jets in week one, and they've been pretty strong uh, defensively. So yeah, you, you got who you have on, on your schedule, but they have stepped up defensively. And when you look at New England, I mean, they could win this game, 27 to 17 you know they could win it 27 to 14 and, and still cover the seven and it not be a total high scoring game and we know we're not going to see new england score 40 points on buffalo we know that's not going to happen but also i don't know if we're going to see buffalo score three touchdowns either in this game so we could see these teams maybe in the low 20s or the winner in the low 20s but uh, it's just hard to ignore the defensive numbers so far with these
2: two teams think you're muted
3: Dan I think you brought it up and we can go again as far as the you know the total here and the two defenses I'm I'm still I'm still on the New England defense even though that schedule I'm right there with you but um, I think the Buffalo defense might have something in store and while New England has run you know it's just run all over Buffalo this might be a good spot Uh, to look at the under I I, listen everybody hates betting the under it's it's tough but this might be a way to go guys and and I just wonder you know k Raj kind of sounded like you're on that side Dan it sounds like you're on that side too
2: yeah I mean I I think it's I think it's an underplay and it's really hard when you have the goat Tom Brady you know under center there but you know in Buffalo it's going to be a a really you know, great environment. I mean, those fans are have got to be as hyped as ever, starting three and zero. So, uh, I, I think it's going to be a tougher spot than than maybe Kevin does for for the pits, for for the the Patriots here.
3: All right, so we got Tampa Bay at the Rams. This will be a four o'clock Eastern Time game. Uh, the Rams, I, nine and a half is what we're looking at. Nine and a half for ten, depending on where you shop. Uh, Kevin, we could get to the total in just a little bit, but and I think that's fascinating too, but nine and a half points here a Rams offense that really hasn't gotten going yet. And it's kind of funny. You, you read the papers uh, or you read online. There's no papers anymore. You read, on. Uh, hey, why don't you turn on your cassette player? That that's what reading a newspaper is like anyways, <laughs> the Rams offense, the media is crushing them. The fans are crushing. Them. Oh, this offense should be going more. Gurley has struggled. Their offense has not been as high flying. They're going to bust open someday. It might be this week. Um, Nine-and-a-half, ten points, though, are the Rams that much better than Tampa Bay?
1: Definitely a lot of points to swallow with the Rams this week. A couple things. Number one with L.A., by far the most points they've laid this year. They haven't laid more than four points in any game so far. I mean, these have all been uh, short lines, a short line against New Orleans back in week two. And obviously, you know, you can throw that out with Drew Brees getting hurt early on in that game. And even the Carolina game, that got steamed down to one-and-a-half. Uh, that the Rams were laying and they held off Carolina in that uh, week one game. You look at Tampa Bay and the defense was pretty good. The first two weeks, the defense wasn't good against Daniel Jones on Sunday as he ate them up with two touchdown passes and two touchdown runs, especially that one at the end. So you think the Buccaneers would try to rebound here after blowing an 18 point lead a game they should not have lost to the giants this past Sunday. The Rams 4-2 ATS last year as a double-digit favorite. The only loss they had, they went 5-1 straight up to Nick Foles and the Eagles on that Sunday night game at home. And uh, past that, LA takes care of their business. Granted, they didn't cover a few times in those games. Tampa Bay's been a good underdog recently, at least dating back to last year. They covered the Thursday night game against Carolina in Week 2. 5-1 against the spread, their last six in the underdog role. but also put this one out there you include that Carolina win Tampa Bay now three and 16 their last 19 road games (laughs) and two of those wins came with Ryan Fitzpatrick a quarterback so (sighs) you you know you you just got to put that in perspective that are you trusting Jameis Winston here to win at LA and and Holden you mentioned the offense hasn't really busted out that is that going to happen for the Rams this week but for Tampa Bay I, I guess I just go to value that you're a six point underdog against Carolina. They had a great, uh, they had a, a great showing there. Even though Cam Newton, we know, was hurt, Jared Goff has not been fantastic this year. The offense—it's taken a little bit of time for them to get going. But uh, to get this many points, though, uh, the Rams coming off a nationally televised win over Cleveland, maybe getting the points is the way to go.
3: DFS perspective here, Kevin, We'll come back to you for the total in just a second. So Tampa Bay lit up the Giants last week. The Giants are just an absolute sieve. Um, so, are the, hey, by the way, the Redskins-Giants, I think this is going to be a cornucopia of uh, fantasy goodness this week. But sticking with this game, starting on the Tampa Bay side, no, I Dan, I cannot trust Jameis Winston. But in a game, if – The Rams get going here, and they come out to a big lead. It's not like Arians is going to pull them. We've seen Winston play a couple of times. I'm always gun-shy playing Jameis Winston, but is this a spot we should feel comfortable, at least slightly comfortable with him?
2: No, uh, definitely not. (laughs) I mean, I'm on the opposite side of Kevin here again. I mean, I I think this is a Ram smash spot here. I mean, this is an offense that – hasn't, like you said, hasn't really put the the, the pedal down yet and, and, and have a big explosive offensive game. And with a total of 50 and a, a spread of about 9-10, you're looking at the second highest implied team total on the slate behind the Chargers, who, of course, had the Dolphins this week. And this is really tough travel, you know, going from Tampa all the way to L.A. So uh, Jared Goff, you know, he's yet to eclipse two touchdowns in a game this season. Feels like a lot to happen in this spot. Uh, He's 6.3 on DraftKings, 7.7 on FanDuel. And the problem with him is, you know, in tournaments when we're trying to build correlated lineups, like who do we pair with him? Uh, If you had Cooper Cup this past week, he did pretty well. Two touchdowns over 100 yards. Uh, Cooks has had touchdowns in back-to-back games. But you almost wonder if it's a get-right spot maybe for Robert Woods. You know, he's the cheapest of the three. So, you know, it's easy to mix and match if you're mass multi-entering in tournaments. But I think you could actually play golf, uh, as we like to call him in the DFS world, naked in cash games and not pair him up with anybody because it's just hard to pinpoint where that production is going to go in this offense. And one sneaky name is uh, Gerald Everett. You know, I-, I talked about Ingram last week and-, and how he was ready to explode against this Todd Bowles defense. Well, here we are again. They still didn't guard the tight end last week. Everett, he's near minimum on DraftKings, minimum on FanDuel only if tyler higby is out is he remotely viable and even then it's it's a it's kind of like a gpp 1% owned type guy uh Gurley, no interest there tampa they're actually pretty good versus the run they kind of bottled up saquon last week so uh he might fall in the end zone but it's it's a spot that i'm not looking the the, the rams d though on the other hand absolutely i mean winston is a turnover machine you've got uh, obviously aaron donald who is uh, a guy who can put a ton of pressure on that quarterback. So, uh, you know, Tampa, I loved him last week, and there might be some garbage points to be had for, you know, Godwin and Evans in, in a in a runback situation on a, on a game stack. But, but overall, not super excited about those guys. The one value spot I, I do see a little bit is O.J. Howard. He went four for 66 last week, had a ton of looks in that offense. And I think they want to get him going a little bit, and I think we started to see that last week. So he's going to find the end zone sooner or later. He's under 4K on DraftKings, so he is the, uh, the value piece over on Tampa. I don't
3: know. I'll just tell you the way that I've gone um, as far as the wide receivers with the Rams. And I play my cash on FanDuel and the GPPs, you know, mostly on the others on, on DK. Cooper Cup. I mean, he looks, Cup gets a steady amount of targets. He looks to him more than anybody else. He looks to him in the end zone. Cooper Cup is just a stud. And I think if you're going to pair him up, um, depending on the game, to me, the guy I'm pairing him up with just about every week is going to be Cooper Cup, uh, no matter what the matchup is. And I think the Rams offense, I think a big problem with this, though, is the lack of run game. You know, last year they could use Gurley. They could run Gurley out there and let him touch the ball 25, 30 times a game. Can't do that now. They're going to have to readjust their offense. So I think they're going through a couple of growing pains there. So, Kevin, uh, 50. The total here is 50. Do you trust the Rams offense enough to put up enough points to where Tampa Bay can actually get and cover this, maybe a backdoor cover in garbage time?
1: I don't think this is going to eclipse 50. You know, you would think that uh, it could just because uh, the Buccaneers, we saw how they melted down a bit last week. But the Rams' last five games, including the playoffs, total of 50 or more, they've gone under four times. So we'll see how that, uh, you know, if that trend continues. And and like, you know, Dan has mentioned about the Rams' defense, they've been very good so far. And you you can't uh, really dispute that over – the past few weeks and obviously the X factor here is Jameis that as long as he doesn't turn the ball over and he can keep Tampa Bay in this game and not give the Rams a short field with any bad throws then Tampa Bay can definitely hang in this game but uh, as far as the Rams go I know that we can say they're going to bust out sooner or later but you know we're still waiting for that and I think you know coming back home to play a Tampa team that you could overlook just because the Buccaneers right now are one and two. And, you know, you can look at Tampa. I'm not trying to pump them up, but the 49ers game was right there. Jameis made a couple bad throws for pick sixes and they played San Francisco tough. They beat Carolina week two and they should have beat the Giants week three. So I think that the Tampa team isn't as bad as people think. And it's just a ton of points. It really is where the Buccaneers could hang even within a touchdown of this game.
3: Wow. <laughs> it's a, I, again, um, I don't buy into the the always the letdown thing. I, it's just something unless there's a statistic there that, hey, after a win against this team, I can't buy into the letdown thing. But I see what you're saying. I mean, the Rams have a really good defense. I think it's something that gets overlooked. Um, I thought they had a great game in the Super Bowl, too. So people say, oh, it's just an offensive team. Like They're going through growing pains offensively. I think they're trying to change the identity or they're they're either that, or they're still trying to get the run game going. So this is a total I'm staying away from. This is actually a game I'm staying away from. This is a game that I'll be playing in DFS, Dan, because I do think there's a couple of spots there. Um, If you had your choice though, which quarterback would you go with? Which wide receiver would be your number one priority?
2: Definitely golf. Um, I don't see me playing too much Jameis. Um, I kind of agree with you on the cup para, but I do kind of believe that this could be a Godwin spot here to get those garbage time receptions, his salary plummeted after that game last week, or, mm-hmm. or maybe Mike Evans salary just went crazy, but you know, he's back to be the cheaper wide receiver and I don't mind him in these situations where they're playing catch up and, and, you know, the defense is sagging off playing some prevent. Um, you know, we saw last week that Evans was the downfield threat. But Godwin should be the volume guy. I think there could be some volume if they're trailing. So he's he's the uh he's the preferred probably wide receiver. You hold think-
1: on, one more note really quick. You know, the Rams play at Seattle coming up Thursday. So just putting that out there that you talk about the letdown, go to Cleveland, come home for Tampa Bay. Now they go to Seattle for their uh for their first divisional game, so you kind of wonder there you know obviously these will be the two teams, and I know San Francisco's three and zero, but these are the two teams probably fighting after the division, so just another point there that you know if we don't see a great effort from the Rams this week,
3: are you taking that into account for the position you're taking on the game?
1: yeah, just because you know, and, and I think it's just a lot of points where people will look at Tampa Bay and say that, uh, you know, oh, well, they're not really that good because they lost to a rookie quarterback. But maybe Daniel Jones is good. I know it's only a one-game sample size. You can't go to the, well, Daniel Jones is now going to be a Hall of Famer because of one good game. But also I say they're 28-10 in that game. They missed a few kicks. That that game was in the bag. And that's where I just look at perception now, what the Rams did to Cleveland. Maybe Cleveland's not as good as we thought they were with all the hype in the the preseason and the offseason. So just trying to put that all together. But just to put that note that now you got a quick turnaround with Seattle coming up on Thursday on the road that maybe this is the let's get through this one because Thursday is more important.
3: Hmm. Um, all right. Let's move on to Dallas and New Orleans. Now, this is not of the main slate. This is a Sunday night game. Maybe you play Thursday through Monday. Maybe you play all day through the night on Sunday, or you just play a short slate or your showdowns in DFS on Sunday night. But, K-Rodge, let's start with you on the totals here. Ron, what's going on? Dallas at New Orleans, this is going to be a ratings bonanza if New Orleans can hang in here, and it's a great game from start to finish. We saw what Teddy Bridgewater could do last week. He finally got um, Michael Thomas going. I think they finally got Alvin Kamara going, which is the most important thing, and to go on the road and win that game in Seattle is really damn impressive. Um, Dallas uh, given a point and a half to open. Now it's two and a half. The line is Dallas minus two and a half. The total opened at 45. Now I'm seeing it at 46 and a half, 47. Let's start with the game. Let, let's start with the spread here. It's one and a half, two. Where do you see this line ending up? And which side are you on?
1: I mean, it's really hard to deny what the Cowboys have done so far. 3-0 and straight up, 3-0 and against the spread. But they've beaten the Giants. They've beaten the Redskins. they beat the Dolphins. So they haven't, you know, knocked off really great competition. They've been impressive. You can't take that away but also they have beaten three teams that right now are three of the worst teams in the NFL. Now you go to new Orleans. This is a rematch from last year. I think you guys remember this Thursday night game in Dallas late in the season, the Cowboys won 13 to 10 in which Dallas was a seven point underdog at home. No drew Brees. I get it now this time around, but now Dallas is a favorite at the Superdome where new Orleans isn't an underdog that often, and the saints have, I'm sure some momentum off that win at Seattle. Holden, you mentioned Camara, 160 all-purpose yards last week, so he's back in the fold. I don't think they're asking Bridgewater to do what Drew Brees does, just don't make mistakes out there. And Dallas comes into this game, the notes on them. Sunday night football last year went 2-0 straight up and 3-0 against the spread. The one really good victory they had was at Philadelphia late in the season. So that one, you know, we'll put out there that Dallas, obviously not afraid of the spotlight. We know that with with them over the years. But the Saints last year, one time as a home dog against the Rams in the regular season. That wild game they played, 45-35. The late touchdown pass from Breeze to Michael Thomas that opened it up after the Rams came back. They were in a huge hole. And uh, the Saints end up winning as a -a one-and-a-half point dog. But uh, as far as this goes, yes, I I agree it's hard to – uh, you know, put down Dallas for their schedule. But at the same time, though, they have been very impressive. You have the better quarterback on Dallas right now. Probably, you know, the offensive weapons, uh, you know, you still have Zeke on Dallas, you still have Amari Cooper, the Saints. It's just about getting those guys involved. Again, you know the guys on Dallas will be involved. It's about can Bridgewater keep Kamara and Michael Thomas involved. i probably lean Dallas right now, hmm. even though we've seen the favorites – do well the last uh, few weeks in prime time, but it's just hard to see the saints after that win against Seattle, where everything kind of broke for them to see this happen again against a really good team. All
3: right, Dan, this is going to be an interesting game from a DFS perspective because normally the saints blow up at home and they don't score as much on the road. That's a true breeze. Teddy Bridgewater's there. How do you think that affects the players on the new Orleans side of things? Then you got, The Dallas side of things, we're seeing where Dallas is getting out to big leads and Tony Pollard's come in. That's affected a little bit of the workload of Zeke Elliott. Amari Cooper is now blossoming into a superstar. Same thing with Dak Prescott. This, to me, is going to be one of the tougher decisions of the week.
2: Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the single game slash what we call showdown kind of game theory for for some people who might be watching on the VI side of things and, and aren't familiar with it, it's basically just single game fantasy. You've got your, your five spots. And then one of them is your, is your captain spot where you get one and a half X value on that player. Um, and the important thing about playing these t- type of slates is you actually want to tell a story with your lineup. You know, you, you just, it's not just haphazardly, you know, throwing qu- Quote unquote, throwing the best players in and, and making it work. You're never going to win a, a tournament by zeroing out an optimal lineup. Um, and if you do, you're going to share it with like 5,000 of your closest friends. So <laughs> it's not very fun. The, the key is trying to build unique lineups and tell a story through those lineups. And the number one way to do that is leaving salary on the table. Do not even worry about salary cap when you're talking about these showdown lineups, it shouldn't even matter. Uh, the the main thing is make sure you don't zero out lineups because somebody else will have that lineup if you do it. But just a couple of notes here about this game too. Alvin Kamara last week, he had negative air yards. Negative air yards, which you'd say he's a running back, but he expect Dan. He finished with 92 receiving yards. So he legitimately did all of that himself. Um, Absolutely unheard of. And I think he's a guy that you're just going to lock in your lineups. You, could you put him in captain spot? Absolutely, especially in draft kings where you get that full point PPR. Uh, last week it was Cooper and Dak. Uh, that was the combo that was the winner. Uh, I actually like Zeke this week to grind it out a little bit more. Like Kevin mentioned last year, this is a pretty low you know, scoring game. So I, I think we'll see it again. But I, I want to talk about a, a crazy sleeper here, especially in the showdown format. And uh, that's Taysom Hill, running back or quarterback for New Orleans. And I'm going to tell you why here. You would never play it on a full slate where you have to roster a quarterback. Well, in showdown format, you can roster whatever position you want. There are no positional requirements. So it doesn't really take that much away from you to be able to roster Taysom Hill and look at him as like a running back or a wide receiver. And we know that this guy is in on goal line situations. We know that Sean Payton has a crazy playbook, and we also know that most people are not going to press that button. So, you're going to get a guy in a single game format that has minuscule ownership. Obviously, if you're playing any sort of 50 50s or cash games, you're not going this route. But in a tournament where you got to beat 100,000 other people and you only got a limited number of player pool uh, to, to choose from, I don't hate it this week. If he scores a touchdown, you're going to be looking pretty good.
3: Yeah, maybe he's more involved in the offense, too. I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah. Teddy was in there. I mean, Teddy was the quarterback. I thought Hill would be more involved at more than one position, tell you the truth. And it just didn't work over there. And on the Dallas side, I mean, if you wanted a a sleeper there last week, everybody was on Devin Smith, right? Now no one's talking about Devin Smith. Devin Smith is a guy that could, I I think more on FanDuel. I think he's going to be more touchdown dependent than anything else. But if you're doing the showdown slate there, maybe that's a way to go on the Dallas side um you didn't you don't think it's that high of a scoring game Dan I don't want to put words on your mouth but that's yeah, the-
2: I don't think so I mean Bridgewater like Kevin mentioned he was a game manager and I feel like we kind of blew that game I don't, I don't know if we talked about it. I don't think we did but we should have known that with an extra week of practice he was going to look a lot better than when he did coming off the bench in that situation you get so you're just so much more prepared when you can be a part of the game plan you do the walkthroughs you're practicing with the ones. And I don't think we accounted for that nearly as much as we should have. Bridgewater was not a stiff in this league. And I just think he was unprepared when he came in last time, uh, you know, randomly when, when breeze got hurt. So I feel like we we should have looked at that perspective and realized a week of practice for him was going to do him a lot better. And it it certainly did last week. So he's fine, but he's also a guy that I don't think presents a ton of upside. He doesn't run the ball that much. And, uh, he's just got other weapons to give it to. And if they get to the goal line, again, it could be Hill coming in there, you know, playing some quarterback and, and you know, running one in. So, uh, yeah, not not too interested in Bridgewater, but, you know, fine for a real-life quarterback.
3: Line open at 45. Now it's sitting at 46 and a half, 47 as we tape this on Tuesday, K-Rodge. You're not going to see totals uh, opening at 45 very often. Games in a Superdome. That being said, no Drew Brees. That being said, Teddy Bridgewater looked a lot better. Camara, Michael Thomas getting involved there, over, under?
1: I'd probably lean over for a couple reasons. That you don't, like you said, Holden, you don't get the low total like that at the Superdome. Normally, these numbers are 50 and above. And uh, in the few times, granted, the last two seasons where you've seen less than 50, these games have gone over. And that did include Week 17 against Carolina last year, where Breeze didn't play, and New Orleans had it all locked up. Uh, and they lost at home to Carolina. They got blown out, but that went over the total. And, yes, you have to take into account it was 13-10 last year, but also there was a goal-line stand that the the Cowboys made on the Saints, and and there were some opportunities there in that one to maybe be a little – not go over the total in Dallas, but at least to be a little more high scoring. But I think that New Orleans here, back at home, that uh, with Bridgewater, if he could make a big play or two, you still have studs on the offensive side – And also Dallas's defense has been good, but Dallas's defense has been good against three bums already against the giants, the Redskins and the dolphins. So that you can't necessarily take away when you go from them to even a backup in Bridgewater, but Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and guys are all pros uh, on the offensive side in a hostile environment. We know the Cowboys can score and uh, if both teams could get into even the mid twenties, I I don't think it's that crazy. So I look at it as you might as well take advantage of getting this low of a total when you can at the Superdome.
3: But if it gets much higher than 46 and a half, 47, I mean, where's the line? I
1: don't think it's going to go higher than let's say 47, maybe 48. It's a Sunday night game. So you're going to, people want the over and,
3: and Dallas fans. I mean, that, that makes a big difference too.
1: Well, the other point is that heading into week four, we've seen two overs in primetime games. One of them was Houston, New Orleans week one, which should have stayed under. And the second one was the Monday night game with Chicago and Washington, where you had the Redskins score late. The Bears had a defensive touchdown in that game, and that should have stayed under two. So you're kind of waiting for that big over that never in doubt over in a primetime game. So that's kind of you wonder if this could be the one on Sunday night.
3: Well, here, here's the one game that I'm more excited to watch this weekend than anything else. And it goes. You go back to Kansas City right now. Kansas City is on the road. Uh, they are six point favorites. You've got a total here, around 53 and a half 54. I mean, it's basically stayed steady. maybe moved up a half a point here. Um, this is DFS, goodness, from a betting perspective, though, Kansas City, minus six against the Detroit team you know, trying to win different ways. Matt Stafford, let me just say one thing about Matt Stafford, very efficient. Um, He's not turning the ball over as much. I'm still not sold in their run game, but they do have a couple of nice wide receivers to go to Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. He's got some weapons there. The question is can anybody stop the most talented quarterback in the league? They're without their most explosive offensive player um in Tyreek Hill and then what do they do they call up a rookie who's every bit as explosive Nicole Hardman there's just so many weapons there we actually saw the Chiefs defense do a hell of a job against the Ravens so Kansas City normally six point favorites on the road you got a double take on this but boy this team's almost unstoppable right now
1: yeah, Holden, it's tough to really get in the way of this Chiefs team and the way Mahomes has played. And, and the second quarter numbers, what they did, 28 points against Oakland, 23 against Baltimore this past week. Mahomes, I mean, w- we know his numbers and, and what he's able to do. But when you look at Detroit side of things, uh, you know what? 2-0-1, give Matt Patricia credit. I mean, they should be 3-0. They, they should have won the Arizona game. But also, you know, the Charger game, the Chargers kind of gave that one away. And, oh, don't
3: poo-poo that. They got yeah, this is a horrible he fumbled, franchise. He He's still on the one loss for his picks. Goals.
2: I know. I can. I can see it. Oh, they gave guys, away that game.
3: You guys, 2-0 and one. Patricia, I
2: mean, <laughs> look, look a little more like a head coach.
1: Clean yourself up a little bit. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but but with this Lions team, look—you can't take away what they've done. Going to Philadelphia—that's a great win for them, beating the Eagles. The Chargers are a playoff team from last year, so yes, those are two good wins. The Cardinal game is obviously still in question because of they were great for three quarters and then stunk in the fourth quarter and overtime. But uh, Detroit, when you look at the running game, it's not great. They had a forty-yard run, in fact, against Philadelphia, and the rest of it, I think was forty-something yards they got the rest of the uh, of that game on Sunday but uh, Detroit all three games guys decided by three points exactly so you wonder now is this going to be the all right we've been living on the edge the last few weeks we're facing the MVP and Pat Mahomes and all the weapons he brings in inside there's no weather to deal with that Kansas City we've seen them pull these blowouts off on the road not just an arrowhead the only note I'll give you say what you will about it, but it's just a a silly trend that the Chiefs last two years on the road against NFC teams, they're 0-4. So we'll give you that one against the Rams. They lost last year, that 54-51 game, and lost at Seattle in week 16 on a Sunday night. So those are two with Mahomes, the previous two were with Alex Smith. So just to put that out there, that's the only negative on Kansas City, but uh, it's hard to make a case against the Chiefs right now.
3: Yeah, I was really upset that I teased that game up to 110 total last year. You know, just felt like five five points short. That was one of the great games you're ever going to see from an offensive perspective, fantasy perspective, daily fantasy perspective. It's, you know, every week it's a cornucopia of goodness. You just have to figure out, Dan, and I wonder how you do this, which wide receiver from the Chiefs you want. You know, is it Watkins that's going to blow up? Is it Robinson? Is it Hardman? Last week, nobody seemed to be on LaShawn McCoy. He he stumbles in the – well, actually, stumbled into the end zone. He made a nice grab because he's not even healthy. His ankle's bottom. He left the last game, too. Let's start with the Chiefs side and then get to the Detroit side. But how do you approach this with Kansas City? Because Mahomes right now, he's just unstoppable.
2: Well, I, I know Kevin's the betting guy, but I, I got to give a take on this one, too. I think Detroit covers his six. Uh I, I think this line it stinks, man. I mean, honestly, Kansas City not even getting a touchdown against Detroit. I mean, it doesn't really add up. And when it doesn't add up, you kind of dig a little bit deeper. And if you look at that game last week, especially from a fantasy perspective, none of the receivers really made it. I mean, Hardman, yeah, he had that long touchdown, but that was it. That's all he got. Marcus Robinson. Uh, you know he had that one touchdown Uh, but still only like 40 yards Watkins peppered but still didn't even reach 90 yards receiving Uh, and then Kelsey of course got yardage but didn't get anything in the end zone so it is truly a roulette roulette wheel here for Kansas City on their offense Mahomes you can just play him by himself he's floors 300 yards and, and three touchdowns most weeks but I do have some respect here for this defense of Detroit, and I, I am not interested in playing Shady McCoy. Maybe, maybe if Damian Williams is out again, you could consider it because you got to think he's going to be a little bit healthier than he was last week, but that's a tough D-line. So I think Detroit comes to play here, and here's the note that you got to look at too. Guess what defense allows the most yards per carry this season? Kansas City. It. It, it's Kansas City. 6.2 yards per carry is what they are allowing on the ground here. I think that really bodes well for Detroit, who doesn't really want to pass the ball all that much. If you look at those games that they were in, kind of had to, had to come from behind in those games. Um, uh, and, you know, and against Arizona, everybody's going to throw the ball just because you kind of can. But I think on Johnson is one of the sharper plays on this mm-hmm. slate. You look at last week was in for 75% of snaps. That was up from 57 and 55 the last two weeks. And there was a reason for it. C.J. Anderson got dumped. So they got rid of him and realized, let's just give our best running back the ball. And, uh, and he was productive. So I love his salary this week. Only 5400 on DraftKings, 6500 on FanDuel. I think he's a cash game play. And, uh, and especially when you look at that defense against the run, he's a guy that uh, I think I'm going to be jamming into my lineups. Not really interested in Stafford. Galladay is fine. He's had eight, ten, and nine targets in his three games. He's 5,900 on DraftKings, so he's the preferred wide receiver. And if you want to get super sneaky, Hawkinson, he's been a dog the last two weeks. Obviously, just eight in that cake matchup against Arizona, but I think he could get off the shine here. He's only 3.3, so if you want to stack up Kansas City and run it back with somebody cheap, he might be an option for you.
3: All right, guys, uh, last game that we got on our list as of right now will be uh, Philadelphia-Green Bay watched a lot of that Philadelphia game. I mean, their offense, they can't do anything in the first quarter. They did they they laid an egg again. Uh first half garbage. They're playing catch up. Carson Wentz just keeps trying to run and, and take his own head off. They're going to Green Bay. I mean, it's a much improved defensive team. This to me is why Green Bay has been so good. Uh in, in LaFleur last week said, "I want to get more of a 50-50 timeshare." He had been saying that since the preseason, but here's the deal. He got a 50-50 timeshare last week with the touches. So, um, Green Bay, offensively, different offense now, not quite as explosive. Defensively, much, much better. k Raj, uh, Green Bay minus three. Now it's minus four and a half against the Eagles. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, of, sure. By the way, a lot of injuries in that secondary, too. So, if, if Aaron Rodgers does decide to throw this week, this is, this is the week to pick on him.
1: Yeah, the Eagles are beat up. And, you know, Deshaun Jackson and uh, Alshon Jeffrey, we'll see what happens if they play or not on Thursday. But, uh, yeah, this Philadelphia team we thought would be a Super Bowl contender. I know it's only three weeks in, but right now one and two, and they had to come back against the Redskins in week one from a 17 nothing deficit. There's three teams in the NFL, guys, that have not covered a game yet this season. You know who they are?
3: Well, one of the teams we're doing right now, Maybe both of them, Philly, Green Bay. I don't know who
1: Philadelphia is one Miami's two and the chargers are three because they pushed in week one. So you have three teams I've not covered yet. And the Eagles though, they are an underdog for the first time this year. So you do get points with them. If that means anything, but just to put this uh, a couple notes, that Philadelphia last year, 3-2 and against the spread as an underdog. Now, both the losses came with Carson Wentz as the starting quarterback because the three covers came with Nick Foles as the starting quarterback. So with Wentz, uh, you know, it kind of feels like at times that he – I don't want to compare him to Kirk Cousins. I don't want to go there. But I feel like he's a guy that will beat the bad teams, but then when he's playing better teams, he's not getting those wins. So it's a tough – it's a tough, uh, you know – Uh, Situation here going to Lambeau Field. Green Bay's defense has been fantastic. Already two wins out of the shoot against the NFC North against Chicago and against Minnesota. And they had a letdown spot against Denver and they did not let down and they won that game. Green Bay has Dallas coming up in week five. So this is a very big game for the Packers to jump out to a 4-0 start. And Chicago plays Minnesota on Sunday. So one of those teams, assuming there's no tie, will be two and two. So the Packers can jump out to a two-game lead over one of those two and has beaten one of them already. I just think that with Philadelphia and the issues they've had so far, even getting the points, it's kind of tough to back. We might as well keep riding Green Bay for uh, what they've done so far this season.
3: Hey, Dan, before we get to you know, all the pos- – I think the wide receiver position will be very interesting, but – what do we do with Aaron Rodgers now? Because Aaron Rodgers is not putting up 350 yards with another 55 yards rushing and four touchdowns a game. Do we need to change our expectations or at a GPP, is he still a guy that now people are sleeping on and this is the week to go after him because he's going up against Philadelphia secondary, which has been a sieve.
2: Yeah. I mean, you got to look at those matchups, Chicago, arguably the best defense in football, Minnesota, very defensive slow paced team in Denver the one thing they do do well is, is is they've got some top corners there so they've really faced three good pass defenses this season and I think this is a complete smash spot for maybe not Rogers per se but Devontae Adams boys and girls this guy is going to score a touchdown he he's gone three years or three games this year have not scored he only didn't score in four games all of last season. I think it was around 13 touchdowns. So that variance is going to swing his way. Uh, That secondary is completely beat up uh, for Philadelphia. We saw what Julio Jones did to them as a uh, top flight wide receiver a couple of weeks ago. And I think Devontae Adams gets it done this week. So he is my key play. And I think this is, you know, it's weird because Thursday, people always play too many guys on the Thursday through Sunday games. But I think this is a spot where – if I am playing that slate, I really like the green Bay side and I don't think you're doing it wrong here. Even though the ownership might be higher than it should be. uh, I think Adams and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. I think that I wouldn't be surprised if we got multiple touchdowns for just that combination in this game. So uh, I love those guys, Aaron Jones, three touchdowns, but you know, pretty lousy 3.8 yards per carry. So I don't think I'm looking to go there. And on the Philly side, again, if, Adams and Rodgers do go off. It could just kind of be a back and forth kind of air attack game. And, and Zach Ertz, he's another guy who has not scored a touchdown yet this season. And he's had eight over each of the last two seasons. So again, more variants that should swing his way. The targets are certainly still there. I think 11 and 12 um, actually those were the uh, Aguilar targets each of the last two weeks. So again, keep your eye on Jackson and Alshon news. If they're out Aguilar's another guy we can go to, but, I think Ertz is another one who uh, kind of, you know, kind of lives up to the preseason hype. A lot of fantasy guys this year are crushing these season-long teams. I know people are are ready to kind of bail on them. Don't bail. It, it, it's just a matter of time. And I think for Ertz and for Adams this week, uh, both those guys find the end zone.
3: Well, the thing that was concerning last week, and it was a legit game time decision. Dallas Goddard went out there and. Went through to him, and Gollard got just dropped the ball. Hey, he you know? dropped
2: it. He like, had a touchdown. throw to that guy, okay? Right. Yeah,
3: stop doing that. So that's a little concerning. But let's talk about those wide receivers. Alshon is at least getting in a little bit of work this week. There's been reports he'll be gone because they don't want to have him on a quick turnaround on Thursday. Let's assume he plays. It's magically, he plays. Deshaun Jackson's not playing. I mean, the, the guy has an ab injury. There's no way they're playing him on a short week. What does that do to Aguilar then? Because Aguilar was—I mean—he was the main play. He was a free square last week. Price up a little bit more. Is he viable if Alshon Jeffrey is out on the field, or maybe does it even help because Jeffrey could be a decoy?
2: Yeah, I think he's probably viable either way because I don't think Jackson's going to go. And and our Sega white whiteside was a guy I was kind of high on, and he he dropped a a, a couple passes himself there, so. I think he's viable, but I also think some people will probably go to him after uh, having the big week as as heavy chalk last week. And that's why I'm, like, a little more interested in Ertz too because the secondary for the Green Bay Packers has been really, really good this year. I mean, this Packers defense is first in turnovers and and I I think second in, like, total defense this year. So uh, they've been much improved, but I also think the pace of this game is going to be much different than they've seen up to this point. And, uh, and I think, you know, if I'm betting this game, the side I like is the over, the over 45. I think we see some points. A lot of times Thursday night is ugly um, and we don't have a lot of scoring. I think this one's going to be ugly, but with a lot of scoring. So I think, uh, I think people will, we'll take back some of those bad words about Thursday night football this week. And I think, uh, I think we go over 45
3: here. Yeah. You know, I was actually considering playing a a nice Thursday uh, through Sunday slate or Thursday through Monday slate, because I do actually think that Aaron Rodgers, even though people are going to get in on that Thursday, this could be a situation where he finally throws for the three touchdowns. K. It opened at 48. It's down to 45 now. I think, is this sharps pushing the line down? Is this people just looking at it and saying it's Thursday night football? Why is this line drop so dramatically?
1: Well, I mean, we're also seeing to you know the point that I made earlier that the primetime games we've seen low-scoring games, and granted, and, you know, take away Chicago, Washington uh, with, with that over that we're just not getting them in these Thursday games. But also, look at the last two Thursday games. Who have you had? Tennessee, Jacksonville. And you've had Tampa Bay, Carolina. So not exactly sexy teams. And in week one with Green Bay, Chicago, it was a grinded out game week one. So we can give them a break. But the last two weeks, you don't have offensively minded teams necessarily. So now with Green Bay, you're just hoping that this is the bust out game for Aaron Rodgers, that he can do that against this Philadelphia defense. And we'll see what Carson Wentz can do. Obviously, the, uh, the receivers being out doesn't help Wentz at all. But uh, still, Green Bay has the potential to score in the high 20s. We know what Philadelphia has been able to do, at least uh, in in some of these early games. And they busted out in the Washington game. Granted, those guys were healthy. But uh, Philadelphia is more than capable of scoring at least three touchdowns in this game. It's just about, you know, can they keep up with Green Bay? So I I think that, you know, try to take advantage of it, that maybe we'll see these primetime overs start to turn around.
3: I'm actually looking forward to this game. Just because it is Green Bay and Philadelphia. You know, Green Bay looks like a legit contender. Philadelphia thinks they're a legit contender, but they have just looked horrible. But they even maybe look at the first quarter total because the, the Eagles just can't score. <laughs> it, it's amazing. They come out and just get shut down every single game. So um, you're leaning toward the under a little bit over. It kind of sounded like you were saying eh, a little bit over, but you're not completely. I I'd
1: lean over. I don't love it. But just for our purposes, I'd lean that way, but a lean is as far as I'm going.
3: Dan, it kind of sounds like you're looking at the under, right?
2: No, over. Definitely over. I like the over
3: Completely in this opposite of what I said.
2: Yeah, I, I think we see more opposite. points here. And uh, Valdez Gantling, by the way, same number of targets as Devontae Adams this season. So, you know, play both of those guys if you really want to stack that game up. But, uh, yeah, I think we see some fireworks on Thursday finally.
3: I felt that was so frustrated first couple of weeks of the season. Then he blows up. And where's Jimmy Graham? Is Jimmy Graham even an option old. anymore? He's old. He's That's old. What he is. That's what it is. All right, guys. Last words, Dan Bach. Anything?
2: Yeah. Check us out. RotoGrinders.com. SharpSide.com. Again, we've got our Vegas Insider uh, sponsored contest on the SharpSide app. If you haven't downloaded it, it's free and it's free to play. And basically, you can go and track your your wagers uh, just by swiping—it's a lot of fun. We've got you know all the different sports available, and of course our NFL contest. Ten grand is what we're giving away with Ooh. weekly winners, half-season winners, and of course five K at the end. And you can bet on every NFL game, totals, and lines. So even if you have fallen behind, you can catch up real quick if you get hot in a couple of weeks. So uh, leaderboards, check it out—a lot of fun. And of course, Roto Grinders. If you are already playing DFS, hopefully you know about us. If you don't, do go over there and we just launched a new tool called gridiron iq
3: love it love dude that it's an amazing tool seriously and i'm not just saying that i was using it all last week and it helped
2: yeah and it's it's actually really useful even for a betting side of things because it's literally just every statistical number you could want in a matchup and uh, i think it's very useful especially if you want to get into the the betting of props because we basically have the props next to our projections for said player. So you can see where our projections really differ from, you know, whatever sports book you're using. So uh, check it out. Um, again, it's, uh, it's rotogrinders.com.
3: Uh, K-Raj, you just want to duck your head so we can see that amazing banner behind you. Just There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Vegasinsider.com. Rogers is on a roll. It's amazing to see what you're doing there, k Raj. Good Thank job, you. buddy. Thank you. Vegasinsider.com, live odds, sports picks, everything else. He's got his guarantees. If you don't cover, then they give you the money back. So it's wonderful. And there's four different balls on there. So, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's really great. So we
2: need, we, he, he, he actually lives in, like, the most beautiful place out of all of us. And we've got – Boca? Banners in the background. Where do you live, Boca?
3: What do you mean it's the most gorgeous place?
2: I you live what, right on the beach down there, right? Like uh, yes, I'm right on the beach.
3: <laughs> just wait till the hurricane comes. You'll be living right in the ocean. You guys in Florida. My gosh. <sighs> Come to, the to be mountains. beautiful
2: for the next seven months, holding so. Come to the
3: mountains, boys. Come to the mountains. You can deal with a few blizzards. Real quick, I'll be taping uh the Rotogrinder Sports Betting Podcast with Robert Walker. He used to be the the odds maker at the Mirage in Vegas, and now he runs uh, U.S. bookmaking. And you talked about props. Uh, They come up with their props, and I just exploit them, and then they ended up – it's early week, but we talk about player props, and they go head-to-head with some guys. So it's actually a lot of fun. Roto Grinder Sports Betting Podcast. We'll drop that tomorrow. We'll take tonight, drop it tomorrow. Follow me on Twitter, at Holden Radio for Dan Bach and Kevin Rogers and Devin back in the Nashville studios. Good luck this week, everybody. We'll be right back. back.